0: Greetings and welcome to episode 27 of the Prometheus Project podcast. I'm your host, Richard Bist. Thank you for joining me on this exploration of creativity. For today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about poetry. Now, I've always loved poetry, and you know, one of the first books I remember reading outside of Dr. Seuss was Shel Silverstein's Where the Sidewalk Ends. That's the book that got me started on poetry. I think it was how whimsical it was, how I could relate to the themes of the poems, and how they created these wonderful images in my head. Now, poems are different from prose in that the writer has to use an economy of words. With prose, you can go into extensive details about things. For example, you can describe the minute details of a room. You can write about the color of the paint on the walls, the shape of the crown molding, different pieces of furniture, maybe the fabric patterns that cover them. You can write about the floors, even. Is it hardwood, shag, Italian tile? You can even describe the smell of the room, the temperature. But with poetry, it's more like all these details are suggested instead of described. Maybe a better way to compare the two is to say that prose is like a detailed landscape painting, whereas poetry is an impression of a landscape. In my opinion, poetry is, I don't know, I guess a better way to convey emotion. With prose, it's right there up front. Either the characters are thinking or talking about emotion, or else they're showing it through body language and facial expressions, the things they're doing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I'm a fiction writer. That's my bread and butter. It's like differences in painting, With prose, the writer can use broad strokes to cover the page. But with poetry, it's more fine and measured, like using a a fine-tipped brush instead of a roller. And the reason I mention this is because I feel that poets are often better writers, or maybe more creative in a way, than prose authors. Mainly because of this economy of words. Doing more with less in a manner of speaking, or better yet, in a manner of writing. One of my favorite poets is Walt Whitman. I discovered him in high school. Then a few years later, I bought my first copy of Leaves of Grass. Man, what an amazing collection of poetry that celebrates America as it once was. And no, it's not the racism and xenophobia that we're known for at the moment, but the passion for nature, love of the forests and the plains, the respect for people. Whitman was ahead of his time in that regard. He celebrated The Body Electric, Passion and love in its raw form, and he wasn't afraid to bear his soul on the page. Now, it's no secret that Whitman loved the human form. He wrote about it with such adoration and love that it was considered scandalous when he was still alive. Here's an example from I Sing the Body Electric. In this first part I'm going to read, he describes men. The love of the body of man or woman balks account. The body itself balks account. That of the male is perfect, and that of the female is perfect. The expression of the face balks account, But the expression of a well-made man appears not only in his face. It is in his limbs and his joints also. It is curiously in the joints of his hips and wrists. It is in his walk, the carriage of his neck, the flex of his waist and knees. Dress does not hide him. The strong, sweet quality he has strikes through the cotton and broadcloth. To see him pass conveys as much as the best poem, perhaps more. You linger to see his back, and the back of his neck and shoulder side. Good stuff, right? I mean, that's an amazing, earthy, provocative description of the male form. The next time you see a man or a group of men on the street or out and about, think about this passage and see if your view of the male form changes. And now... Here is another passage from the same poem in which he describes the effect women have on men, and, well, a little bit more. This is the female form. A divine nimbus exhales from it from head to foot. It attracts with fierce, undeniable attraction. I am drawn by its breath as if I were no more than a hopeless vapor. All falls aside but myself in it. Books, art, religion, time, the visible and solid earth and what was expected of heaven and feared of hell, are now consumed. Mad filaments, ungovernable shoots, play out of it. The response likewise ungovernable. Hair, bosom, hips, bend of legs, negligent falling hands all diffused, mind too diffused. Ebb stung by the flow and flow stung by the ebb, love flesh swelling and deliciously aching. Limitless, limpid jets of love, hot and enormous, quivering jelly of love, white blow and delirious juice, bridegroom night of love, working surely and softly into the prostate dawn, undulating into the willing and unyielding day, lost in the cleave of the clasping and sweet flesh day. Now, (laughs) there's something to be said for the way Whitman describes the human form and human interaction, the small details like wrists and hips. Not only shows the beauty of the human body, but also drips with eroticism. Which, to me, is a perfect combination. Humans are sexual creatures. Strip away the cloths and the stigmas and the modern norms, and what you're left with is a creature that needs love, needs touch, needs to see and be seen. When hearing these two passages, what do you think? What do you feel? Obviously, Whitman wasn't going into great detail about the the male and female form. He used metaphors and impressions to convey his message. You probably visualized someone you know, perhaps yourself, or maybe someone that you dream about. If so, then Whitman was successful. If not, then what did you think and feel? I think that prose writers can learn a lot from poets. In fact, I think that any artist or creative individual can learn a lot from poetry. As I noted a few minutes ago, poetry uses an economy of words. For prose writers, we can learn how to be more descriptive with fewer words. We can learn how to use imagery to convey emotion and feeling. We can learn how to be less specific and more lyrical. For other artists, it's basically the same thing. It comes down to being more expressive with less detail. Simple brush strokes, subdued lighting, softer contours. I've been trying to think of a good way to describe this, and the first thing that popped into my mind was a fist fight. I know, it's not exactly poetic, but bear with me for a moment. When you see a street fight or a bar fight, it's usually two idiots throwing their arms around like windmills. It's sloppy, but somewhat effective, okay? However, if someone has been trained as a fighter, say a boxer or somebody in the martial arts, when they fight, there's precision behind every move and countermove. It's a dance, Now, this isn't to say that prose writing is always sloppy, but it can be more broad, or at least it's less precise than poetry, let's say. And for what it's worth, I'm basically a prose writer, so I'm sure a poet could provide a better example than this. Additionally, I'm not saying that all prose needs to be full of metaphors and lyrical imagery. Everyone has their own style when it comes to their creative projects, whether it's writing or something else, and you shouldn't change that my point however is that we can learn from poetry just like we learn from other artists and other art forms i mean obviously we can be inspired by other artists and art forms i've been inspired to write stories after reading someone else's work and after viewing a painting or a photograph or even listening to music but i think some artists don't realize that they can learn from other forms of art Prose writers can learn from poets, painters can learn from photographers, and so on and so on. It works both ways. We just have to look beyond the surface of the art and note the techniques, the styles, the little things that affect us on an emotional level. I think the other thing that attracts me to poetry is that it can tell a story or paint a picture in just a few lines. One of my favorite forms of poetry is the haiku, It's such a simple and basic structure. It contains so much power. Here's an example of a Japanese haiku. Now, this was written by Matsuo Basho in the 17th century. An old pond. A frog jumps in. The sound of water. Now, that's almost childishly simple, yet it still conveys a very precise moment in time. When I read this, I see the pond, reeds growing along the banks, lily pads of brown and green on the surface of the black water. There is a sudden small movement, a flash of green as the frog hops, then he disappears with a plop, and for a moment ripples cross the surface. Do you see what I mean here? Three short lines of text can not only paint a picture, but capture a moment, convey sound, motion. That's what I mean about using an economy of words, but still being able to instill something tangible in the reader's mind. The interesting thing about haiku, at least for me, is that on the surface, it seems so simple. It's only three lines, a handful of syllables. And on a quick side note, if you aren't familiar with the rules of haiku, they're very simple. The work cannot be more than three lines, and the rhyming scheme must follow five-seven-five-syllable pattern. that That's it. <laughs> First line is five, second line is seven, last line is five. Like I said, it seems too ridiculously simple, yet writing one that connects, like the example I read a moment ago, is incredibly difficult. Now, I've tried writing a lot of these over the years, and I feel I've never quite hit the mark. There's a certain finesse that's needed that I just haven't discovered yet. But I'm going to keep trying. I mean, I love haiku, and I'd love to be able to write one that affects readers like some of the great ones do. I was actually writing poetry before I tried my hand at prose. In fact, I have dozens of spiral notebooks and legal pads filled with poems I've written over the years, minus a few that were misappropriated during a bad breakup many years ago. We won't go into that. In retrospect, it was a small price to pay. So now that we see how beautiful poetry can be in all of its forms, why isn't it more popular? That's something I've wondered about, but I've never been able to come up with a good answer. I mean, poetry's been around as long as storytelling. It uses beautiful imagery and emotion. And poems run the same range as fiction, meaning there's romantic poems, literary poems, funny poems, sci-fi poems, fantasy poems. Poems can be short and concise or long and winding and bumpy like a trail through the woods. Poems can tell stories, paint pictures, make the reader think and feel. So why is it that poetry isn't as popular as prose? Part of me feels that it's because of how it's taught in schools. Most classes focus on classical poetry—Shakespeare, Blake, Wordsworth, Coleridge, guys like that. Now, of course, don't misunderstand me here—I love classical poetry. I have a huge hardback collection of classical poetry in my personal library, and I still break it out every so often so I can reread some of my favorites, like *Kubla Khan* by Coleridge. I love Shakespeare, both the plays and the sonnets, and I feel that he's one of the greatest writers ever to put pen to paper. But for young, inexperienced readers, starting them off on classical poetry may be doing them a disservice. It can be hard to understand the language used, and often archaic words and themes and descriptions are a part of it. So in my opinion, students would be better off learning more relatable poetry, maybe something with humor or interesting wordplay. Start them off with poetry that's easily digestible, understandable, appeals to their younger minds ease them into it of course you know we do have dr seuss for the younger audience along with shel silverstein but there are so many others that would appeal to students of all ages you know and one area that's often overlooked when discussing poetry song lyrics you know music appeals to everyone so what better way to introduce kids and teens to poetry than through song lyrics Teaching them the basics, rhyme schemes, free verse, meter, accompanied by music, would probably grab their attention more efficiently than with plain words on a page. And you know, some of the great songs over the years have had amazing lyrics. I don't think many people pay attention to that. When I was a kid, I used to listen to music, on vinyl of course, and read the lyrics as I listened to each song through a set of enormous headphones. Well, at least... They were enormous against my child-sized head. (laughs) But that was also an early exposure to poetry for me. Listening to songwriters like Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, I realized that if I stripped away the music, I'd still have a beautiful poem to read. I've recommended this before, but I'll do it again. Pick out an album by your favorite musical artist. Put on some headphones or ear pods or something like that. Sit in a comfy chair or sprawl out on the sofa and really listen to the music from start to finish, first song to last song. Focus on the lyrics, not just the singing, but the words. It can be a moving experience. All right, well, with all that said, now it's time to wrap things up with the show and close things out. And yes, I'm going to challenge you to write a poem, (laughs) but not any poem. I want you to write a haiku. The main things to remember for this exercise are the rhyming scheme, which is 5-7-5. No deviation. And secondly, focus on capturing a moment in time, a scene, an emotion. It can be something like the experience of a first kiss, maybe seeing a child born, bringing home a puppy, or it can be about a final goodbye, a moment of pain, or maybe a fond memory. As I always say, don't overthink it. And as a suggestion, find your subject first, write down a few ideas, then go for it. The funny thing about haiku is it's very simple in form, but so terribly difficult to master. But I think that you can do it. In fact, I know you can. Give it a shot. All right, so thank you for listening. I, of course, I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on the show, or to share your work, or simply to say hello. You can find me on social media under my name, or drop me a line via the contact form on my website, richardbiss.com. And please, if you're enjoying the show, leave a uh, review on whatever platform you're using for podcasts, and of course, tell your friends, the more the merrier. Until next time, be kind, be creative, stay healthy, cheers.